Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Leon from Nottingham, and you're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, how comes Adolf Hitler is considered more evil than other people who did worse than him. Hello everybody, welcome to this episode of Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast for myself, comedian, writer and occasional actor Dane Baptiste, my producer friend and co-host Howard Cohen, aka De Hizza. Hello. And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from... We are talking everything from Leon from Nottingham's question. How come Adolf Hitler is considered worse than people who did worse than him? Leon, you first, Howard. You Leon, first. have you listened to this show, mate? Um, I'm, I'm, where do you want to... Where do you want... What do you want from us, Leon? What are you looking for? I mean, I don't often get kind of like when the, the listener questions make me go, what the fuck? But what the fuck, Leon? Like, you know, someone asked us about what our favourite fucking type of crisps is the other week. Like, I'm not saying you can't go deep, but like, come on, mate. Like, anyway, I, Dane, I don't really know what to say to Leon. I get, I get I get where you're coming from, Howard. I get it essentially for you. I'm going to give Leon the benefit of the doubt. And I think he's referring to other despots like uh, Pol Pot or Mao Zedong or uh, in particular King Leopold of Belgium, who themselves have overseen and orchestrated genocide on a mass scale, who are not normally, uh, uh, I guess, listed alongside Adolf Hitler with some of the uh, greatest uh, perpetrators of humanitarian... The reasons for that is, the reasons for that, and we, we do have to get on with the show, but the reasons for that is it wasn't as international an event as the, what Hitler's war was, right? It was the, one of the most in, in, famous international events in history, World War Two. so it, it covers a lot more people than it did in the case of Cambodia, which is obviously a terrible thing, you, you know, feel very, very, you know, absolute tragedy, but it's not the same as what happened in World War Two. Although I do say it's very similar to what happened in the Congo, which did happen around the same time, which Leon might be alluding to. But on this podcast, we rarely do compare uh, genocides, Leon. So yeah, so, yeah you really know, start. get back in contact, mate. But you may be thinking about, you know, send us a question about what we order when we go to McDonald's or something. But on this show, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dane? It's just proven. Yeah, absolutely. No question is too big, too small, highbrow, lowbrow, stupid or serious. And if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And you'll never miss an episode of our very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests, irrespective of how difficult or provocative they are. With that, 
being said oh i should say before um if you do like the show you can also su- support us by subscribing to our patreon for additional content and also support the growth of our podcast as we ask the bigger questions to our bigger guests with that being said on today's show is a political commentator and satirist with a background in photography she also has a massive social media presence where she has been able to rinse the ongoing cronyism and corruption of our current conservative government at every opportunity and provide a astute narration on the current political and sociological dystopia we are living in right now her video content across tiktok instagram and beyond has seen her rise to justified prominence as one of the most sought after unbiased opinionated commentators in the uk and she likes spiders but is not spider gwen please welcome to the show (laughs) tan smith Hello, thanks for having me. That's a brilliant introduction, actually. That's one of no, the best no. introductions I've ever had. You, so, well, so, Tan, I have to write these introductions, and oh. and you and not, not not have to. It's part of what we do, and 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 yours was quite enjoyable because I think your rise and your what you do is is one of the single most kind of organic things. Some people, I write their career. I look at their career bio, and I'm like, oh, cool. Look at that last ten years. Whereas you're like, hey, I'm just like killing it. I, I don't like it exasperates even me sometimes like sometimes like only six months ago did I look back and think I'm not going to be able to put this back in the viral videos have gone viral they will always be viral I can't stop this now and I was like oh shit it's got out of hand you know <laughs> it's really yeah. got oh, out of hand there's been more viral events in the last couple of years that were much more out of hand and handled much worse than whatever you think you're doing Tan so don't oh, even thank worry God. right just remember that like everyone wants to go viral and the one time the world went viral everyone was like not this way so <laughs> don't worry about it but um i had uh become aware of your work via tiktok um because you know nowadays when there's a discussion about banning tiktok in the west i was like i wonder why and then i was uh, i came across your work and i was like oh this is why they don't want tiktok to be a thing um yeah, because, yeah it's a yes. uh, becoming more and more rare that you uh find uh people who uh have an a egalitarian narrative and are able to uh provide critique of current politics without any kind of agenda or without it being manufactured or diluted for mass consumption so we are very uh uh flattered and privileged that you've come on the podcast tan so thank you first of all thank you do you want to um, do you want to weigh in on the old kind of genocide comparison thing no no i absolutely do (laughs) absolutely do Do you know what i mean though like uh, uh, intense i didn't even really fully understand the question if i'm honest with you it's a bit of an odd thing i mean atrocities are atrocities you don't go around going oh this atrocity was a little bit less worse than this one because they've all got their own different kind of routes to that point haven't they i mean it's just not it's not something you go around comparing it's not like yeah. buying a car it's a, it's me it's i think i think it's a media uh indoctrinated uh disposition because when um, you do hear about like a plane crash there will always be a statistic of the victims and then there will be like plus four britons as if that makes it worse and so we yes. always this this uh compartmentalization of a uh, human tragedy um makes it a lot more difficult for us to observe global empathy um although i will say in leon's case um bill burr had a similar joke where he was like in this uh mount rushmore of uh genocidal maniacs um yeah he referred to i think king leopold was one of them and mao zedong but again i think comparing atrocities 
uh, is never going to be a productive way of uh, working towards a relief of trauma. Yeah. Um, Well, it is probably time for a question, Dane, as the format of this show dictates. Absolutely. Uh, Tan, or Super Tan, as you are known. (laughs) we invite you to ask uh, a question, any question you'd like. can be about anything you'd like, which we would like to discuss for a little bit. And depending on how that goes, uh, Howard would like to pose a question to you as well. And if we have any time left, I have a question I'd like to pose to you. Um, and then what I would love is that you could tell our listeners and viewers where they can find out about your great work and the creations past, present and future. How does that sound? That sounds good. Cool. The floor is yours to ask the first question. Okay. Just a little one. Is truth and satire dead? <laughs> uh, hmm. What has inspired this question, Tan? Oh, I don't know. How about that reverse Midas, Boris Johnson, who turns everything into... <laughs> That's nice. I say cancer hand, but... <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of names for him. I used, <laughs> yeah. to, I used to call him Fred Westminster, but I had to stop. <laughs> because it was offensive to Fred West. Yeah, it is actually offensive oh. to Fred West because not again. We're not comparing atrocities, but when we, yeah, again, yeah, yeah. When we put this, when we put the stats up, this guy needs to have like a whole bunch of like teardrop tattoos on his face. I feel, I feel it's important for our listeners who may not know your great works and maybe they're stopping the podcast now and going to look at you. But tell them about your relationship, particularly on social media, with the former Prime Minister Boris Johnson, Tan. Well. I started off gradually trolling him. I didn't really use Twitter a lot. Um, In the early days, I just made TikToks to survive during the pandemic. And I started realising that people really liked listening to me, like rinsing MPs, just inventing names for them. It it kept morale up, you know, as we're all sitting there watching thousands of people die every day. Um, And he was one in particular that was just beyond contempt beyond contempt he is just a, a sociopath um and when like I, but even i was shocked at the extent that he went to with Partygate. i i have no time for any of them but even i was open-mouthed in shock at what they were doing during that during that period of time so my relationship with him and any tory mp is remarkably poor yeah. to put it mildly without swearing oh you, you can, can swear say oh, what you can swear <laughs> say what you want you can you can act like you're reading a Pulp Fiction script when it comes to describing this government, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I think that's what's needed, isn't it? Because they're just beyond contempt at this point. I mean, even the news cycle today is crazy um, because the Privileges Committee has dropped a damning 30,000-word report which showed that he was in contempt of Parliament, that he might be banned for life from Parliament, and he received an unprecedented 90-day suspension, which has never happened before. That's the extent to which... He has pushed it. It's an entirely democratic process. And he's all the people that are defending him, which is, again, contempt of 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 the House, are people that have been rewarded by him with knighthoods or, or honours. He's like the most dishonourable politician we've ever had. And I think he feeds... And that was before Silvio Berlusconi died. Yeah, that was before. Yes. Yeah. Jesus. Um, at least I feel like at least Silvio, when he had bunga bunga parties, there were probably condoms available. I don't think Boris Johnson even knows how to put one on. No, I mean he's got he's got a lot of NDAs. A oh, lot of NDAs. Yeah. Definitely. A lot of them have, you know. And um people know in circles what they've done, but you can never talk about it. But it's shocking. They are monsters. Why, Absolute monsters. Why does this make why so why does the disgraceful 
specimen of this human that we're talking about make it so difficult for sat for satirists like yourself? Because it goes beyond a joke. <laughs> it's like anything that you think. I mean, Armando Iannucci made the thick of it. Yeah, amazing series, uh, amazing political series. Um, he had to stop making it because it it went beyond what he could write, and he realised that it was almost like the MPs were using it as a guide, um, as, as a handbook. Um, and a lot of politicians have said it's even worse than the thick of it. So when you get to the point where something that you might say pretending to be an MP could be said by an MP, what does that, how can you make a joke? You know, it makes it very difficult to make a joke. It's a hard time for satirists at the moment. I, I totally <laughs> agree. I mean, there are a lot of uh, satirists who I've obviously worked with in my capacity as a stand-up comedian. And uh, I've tried to include, and obviously myself, I've included a social political commentary into uh, my own work. Now, being a uh, descendant of immigrants and being a Black Briton, historically, I have definitely been met with uh, resistance and a level of resentment for uh, alluding to the magnitude of corruption in uh, British politics. There are some people whose egos are so tied to the idea of Great Britain, they are un unable to look at uh, the state of British politics and critique it, despite the fact that Boris Johnson it comes from, well, and since Boris Johnson comes from a long line of uh, tyranny, which has at least 50% of which did not involve any democratic elections whatsoever. And I think Partygate for me, uh, there is a litany of uh, instances of corruption, of lies, unprecedented uh, criminality. But for me, Tan, the crazy part is the fact that his defense was, I didn't know I was at a party. Now, most people uh, understand the term party really has three definitions that are used most commonly in the English language. One is an insurance when you're dealing with maybe a third party or in civil law cases. The other one is when people come together for mutual enjoyment. And the other one is when you're a member of a political party. That means that he has a job which involves one of those definitions of party. So he knows it's not that one. Also, there's no, he's not crashed his car into anybody, so it can't be that one either. And yet, he does not know what the definition of a party is. And I guess he assumes that everyone in offices around the UK has champagne and has snacks and uh, <laughs> people engaging in sexual contact. Mm. on a regular basis to the point where somebody who has been educated in Oxford cannot defend the term party despite working in politics. Well, this just shows, comes back to the truth, doesn't it? This comes back to the fact that he will bend it for any means necessary. He knew full well there was a party. Now, I think that there was like 200 or something, 200 people invited to one of them. And the guy that he made, um, the, the principal private secretary, Martin Reynolds, who sent out the Bring Your Own Booze invites, was um, given an honour by him. So he knew full well it was a party. He knew what the truth was, but he's so used to this false equivalence we have in the media now, where they, because he's so embedded in the media... They will do whatever he wants to. They will create this site. So Brian was talking about it this morning where they'll talk about how it's, um, there's two sides to a story. 
Like, you wouldn't let a murderer, someone that's gone down for murder, stand there and give their side after a conviction's been put down. But this is happening. And he knows, the reason that he's done this is he knows people are going to say, oh, you can't get in my head. You don't know what the real you know, truth was, what was really happening. He's a, a born gaslighter. It's pure survival. That's what he's running on. And I really reject the concept that they're patriotic. There's nothing patriotic about laughing, shagging, probably doing loads of class A drugs whilst people are desperately dying. Um, your own, you know, your own country people are dying, gasping for breath in care homes, you know, or people are grieving their loved ones and can't don't, don't leave out lying to the queen because that's also the Brilliant paradox. Parliament. That's because that's the paradox that I always find insane is that people who are patriots who are so uh inculcated by the idea of british exceptionalism and uh imperialism basically are like you know he is a patriot and this is our country but he's lying to your head of state your queen the biggest representation of uh british superiority or yeah. elitism or exceptionalism around the world and he even lied to her in terms of the satire thing it's i yeah i definitely feel like it's now been obsolete because again speaking as a black british immigrant I've grown up hearing a number of uh, insincere stereotypes about the quintessential black British male, uh, particularly where paternity is concerned. And yet we have had a leader of a nation who to this day will not confirm how many children he has sired. And now it transpires that one of his children might already have been given a job by him in parliament, which means that not only is he not claiming his children, and not paying child support, but he's making us, the taxpayer, pay for the children that he created. And what I find even more chilling, and again, makes it even more difficult to satirise Boris Johnson, is that there are at least three women out there who heard this man during the pandemic be like, I don't feel like feeding starving children in the UK because it's as long, and left that open to Marcus Rashford to have to do. And despite the fact that he has that much contempt for other human beings, that he won't even feed starving children during a global crisis, they were like, do you know what? More people with his DNA should be around. Mm. Yeah, I when mean, you I... have a very clear picture, he don't give a fuck about kids. And yet, and even if you weren't convinced by that, we all saw him bulldoze a child in a game of touch rugby. <laughs> not even rugby rugby, touch rugby. Yeah. So even the kids know you're not supposed to touch and he bulldozed a child. And some women in this country are like, this person should be reproduced. It's just unbelievable. It's like, um, it's like he's, yeah. I imagine, like, he's just got back from America. Like I, I said the other day, I reckon, you know, in nine months' time, it's going to start to look like Village of the Fucking Damned, wherever he was. There's going to be, like, all these blonde-haired, weird, lying children just popping up out of nowhere. Um, but, yeah, what you're saying there is is absolutely true about the double standards of class that come into this. Um, and race, because if he was a, a man of a similar age with a bunch of children... Um, that if he was poor or if he was a black man, totally different, totally different set of circumstances. If 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 anyone else was that criminal, it would be a totally different set of circumstances. And I think this is why they want the job. It's definitely why Johnson wanted the job is because he knows that it's incredibly difficult to prosecute a prime an MP, let alone a prime minister. So he know he knew he would be untouchable, and he that's why he's gone out of his way to to try and obfuscate and and get around it because he knows he's got the media on his side. He knows he's got, you know, sycophants in the government. 
And I, let's be honest, in people who are downright insane, because that's where we are at the point now. Because even when you remove the uh, explicit uh, and for criminality of actions in Parliament, you could look at his employment history. You know, if I went into an office, the CV, and they were like, and what happened at your last job, Dane? I was fired for racism. Ah, okay. And on the job before that, I was fired for sexism. What about your job before that? I was fired for homophobia. Before that, yeah, I had a little bit of issues with a little bit of uh, sexism. Okay, cool. And then if who who would look at somebody with that employment history and be like, you should have the most important job in the country? And then even after receiving the most important job in the country, you get fired from that too. And people are paying him to go and give consultation in other countries. Like, just we let's try and dive back to Boris Johnson's support. Let's say you're on a coach trip, you're going to Benidorm. And I'm speaking to you because despite the fact that you live in a country where it is a known fact that British people spend so much time in European countries, there's even a motherfucking sitcom about it called Benidorm. And yet you were like, we want to leave the EU and have our own identity. So those are the people I'm speaking to because your brains work differently. If you got on a coach and the coach driver was like, yes, I've been fired from four coach companies before, but this time I think we'll be okay. Would you get on that fucking vehicle? Because I wouldn't. If you met a pilot, and he'd been fired from five different airlines, would you want him flying your plane? Especially when if you went in the cockpit, there was a blonde woman straddling him while he was supposed to be flying. And he was trying to get his dick sucked. He's like, don't worry, she's being paid. Would you trust him to fly that plane? Because this country did. Yeah, but they were lied to, man. They were like horrifically lied to. Um, They were conned at every level. They were conned by the richest, most powerful people in this country. I mean, Jacob Rees-Mogg's dad wrote the book on benefiting from economic crashes. Um, So disaster capitalists, I mean, people make it sound like a conspiracy and it annoys me all the conspiracy theories because there's nothing worse than the reality. But um, I think that's a very good point, Tan. I think that's a very good point because a couple of weeks ago, we had a a great guy on a scientist, writer, uh, Dr. David Robert Grimes, who's written a book called Irrational Ape about conspiracy theories. And, oh, cool. so I, and, and I really was about to connect what, what, what you guys have been saying to him because, you know, he, he kind of quite eloquently explained why most conspiracy theories are bollocks. Um, and the thing underneath a lot of that is, is people questioning. We talked about this, right, Dane? People questioning their reality. They don't trust the powers that be to to be able to do what we need them to do. And so you're, you're put in a position where you create and concoct these things. Whereas the reality of it is as simple as saying, these are the most incompetent fucking people you could ever ask to do these jobs. And with Boris Johnson's incompetence, people underestimate how much charm does go a long way. So like if we actually, you know, if he joined this Zoom now, whilst we would still probably attack him, uh, Tan, I imagine you would still give him abuse. He probably would find a way to lower it because he's he he obviously has these kind of like interpersonal charm, right? Like which completely hides the fact that he's a massive fucking disaster of a human being. And that goes well, a long seems- way with certain people. That goes a long way with certain people. Well, yeah, of course people. it does. 
he built a brand he constructed a band he looked at the people that advised you know like the old you know american i think it was uh, i can't remember his name off the top of my head but he consulted he, he built it carefully he managed stage managed all the zip wire stuff but look at what he's done he's got what he wanted we're even still talking about him now but i guess it's hard not to when you're talking about you know the truth and people that have sullied it but it goes beyond him it, it goes into our press. We desperately need press reform. When you look at the fact that free Tories were heading up the BBC, that the you know the government also chose the, the also, BBC. Also, uh, the Evening Standard as well. Evening so Standard. The newspaper. The, so the uh, newspaper sphere that is directly uh, orbiting Westminster was also Conservative controlled at the time as well. So Lebedev, Independent, the the, the Siberian, um, the what is it? The son, I can't remember, Lord of Siberia, the um, the son of an ex KGB agent. Not as if there's any such thing as an ex KGB agent, but the son of a KGB agent. Johnson put him in the House of Lords against MI five advice. Um, you know, huge ru Russian donations, etc. Um, our politics has been tainted on many levels, but it, it now Johnson Johnson's resigned, but he will still be hanging around. But what we need to look at is the conditions that I think led him there, how it got to that. And I think to some extent, I say this as a Labour member, a lot of the kind of rise of populism and the lying actually did unfortunately start under Blair and that, that era. And I say that as someone that's Labour for life, you know, um, Oborn wrote a really good book on the rise of political lying. You say you say that now, Tan. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> well, how what goes? Oh, you being Labour for life. You being yeah, that goes. No, no I mean that. Well, that's a whole other story. But that's. Um, I mean, I'm. I I support tactical voting all the way. Um, mm. because the the priority when you've got fascists in charge, isn't you know arguing over who gets to hold the hose. You need to. Yeah. You know, you need to put. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss the fire out <laughs> it's an emergency but um yeah it started way back then so it's but it's it's got worse like and uh, whole books have been written on how johnson sullied politics and he started seeding it through his influences through the media and he's still got it today today they're still presenting supporters of johnson as if there's two sides to this story he has been found to be in contempt of the house he's found to have lied on multiple occasions and he's also tried to slander the people in the committee now he's been seeding this for ages but there's loads of people that support him that's the problem there's there's people that have bought into this kind of footballification of politics and this idolizing of a populist figure which i don't think you should ever do whether left or right because that makes a leader beyond reproach doesn't it makes it makes them untouchable and that's exactly what he was going for and I'm just worried now about where it leaves us because 
honestly, it's going to take so much to undo. And we've got myriad other problems facing us. But if you haven't got the basic, you know, groundwork of truth and honesty, then all hell breaks loose. You're in the shit, knee deep in the shit. So I think it's a very, I think that's a very, uh, generous description of our current uh social political state of being knee deep in the shit because i really feel like we are neck deep in the shit and if you open your mouth while trying to tread water in said shit you're going to swallow some shit because for me when a politician's been investigated and they go can we see your whatsapp messages and he goes no (laughs) why do we still have to question this guy's uh ability to tell the truth because i know from relationships if you go someone goes well, if you've got nothing to hide, I see a phone, you go, get the fuck out of here. No fucking way. You know what that doesn't do? That doesn't make people go, oh, no, well, you put it that way. I can trust you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not like, yeah, but they, they'll go out of their way to do it. I mean, they've like, oh, I accidentally on purpose dropped my phone in the North Sea because I'm so innocent. You know, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, yeah. But it's it's just in slap to the face after slap to the face. I've, I've listened to testimony from people that have had lost lost loved ones and the suffering that people went through through covid the abject suffering and it is just the the government not just johnson but all of his supporters have just spat in their faces partied laughed then spat in their faces it's disgusting don't leave out eating cam- don't you leave out eating camel dicks and and for for votes because that seems to work out very well because what, again on? going back to just how the efficacy of satire in today's world. How you can be on a television show and you go on there and we all watch you wipe bird shit off with your hands and then try to touch food in front of everybody else, knowing full well that your job was health secretary and that doesn't send alarm bells throughout the nation (laughs) volumes about where we are. You know, if he was maybe in charge of, uh, I don't know, sewage treatment, or maybe he was in charge of defense. I could be like, maybe that's some survival shit that he's just wiped shit off on his hand. <laughs> and maybe when you're in the shit in Afghanistan, you may have to resort to that because the availability of water is scarce. But when you are in the jungle with other celebrities and your job title is health secretary and everybody else who has had no previous political experience goes, you probably shouldn't touch something when you've got shit on your fingers. And you go, Really? Don't see what the problem is, baby. I'm concerned. It's beyond, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. That is just mental, isn't it? That means I... people have gone, we need a health secretary. Who's the most disgusting person out of all of us? Matt, Matt, are you busy? Nah, I'm just wiping my bum with my fingers. What do you guys need? We need a health secretary. I'm your man. <laughs> I'm your man. I remember in the first pandemic, uh, Tan, Tan, you don't know me very well, uh, but like I, I had my first baby uh, in May 2020. Me and my wife. Oh wow, Jesus, what a time! So that's two months into the pandemic, right? Mm. And I, I remember my wife, who, who Dane knows fairly well, and is like a kind of a believer in order and truth, and you know, she's she's from a nice background, so that it's easier to believe in that stuff. Um, but like. When we when we went into hospital, I had to wait outside for I think it was four hours uh, in the in the in the July uh, no uh, yeah the May sun uh, and um, then they let me in. I went in with her. She 
had the C-section. I looked at the baby for half an hour and I left. And I, because it's such an unbelievably overwhelming experience, I never really thought about exactly what my wife went through being on her own. And then she went on BBC News at some point when they were announcing that, um, what the, the party gate stuff and what they've been up to. And she broke down in tears about it um, because she, she was so disappointed in those people for, you know, and, and and to be honest, that's in comparison to what some people had to go through, you know, it's, it's not, it's not comparable. It's, you know, not being able to say goodbye to someone you've known your whole life who's passing away whilst they were doing this. And, and I think the satire element is so complicated now because the contempt we feel for these people and how much just you know listeners I, I you don't have to let us know if you agree or not but these people do not seem to give a fuck about us and if you don't if you don't agree though fuck you and stop listening to my podcast <laughs> i second that yeah okay well we've lost a few people but you know what howard, i'm just howard all i'm saying is this you see if you went to a restaurant and you looked over the counter of this fast food restaurant the employees were, had bin liners on and you went what the fuck have you got bin liners on for and they were like we ain't got aprons, so we're just going to have to use this to protect ourselves. You'd go, I don't think this restaurant should be open. But this same government thought that bin liners were an appropriate supplement for PPE for medical staff during a global pandemic. And again, if that does not set off alarm bells about the state of your country, which is supposed to be a developed country, and according to your own Anglo-Imperial narratives, controlled most of the planet, I would be concerned. I can't, there is only one place I can think of where having a bin liner as your protection is appropriate. And that is on the set of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> and that's it. Because yeah. even in abattoirs, they can't just use bin liners. Or even if you're anywhere near Boris Johnson in case he jizzes on you. like from, you know I, mean, I, mean? I, don't, I don't think that makes a difference. You're going to need an acid-proof vest as far as I'm concerned. And yeah. maybe and the, and the Ouija board. Well, and maybe some holy water. Every, he's fucked all of us anyway, isn't he? He's fucked the entire country. But the reason I mean, most people were wearing PP in the first place is because A, they ignored a pandemic preparedness exercise years before. Um, and secondly, because they were busy siphoning off millions to their mates. Um, one of whom is currently in absentia in order to avoid prosecution. Who bought a yacht with her spoils. Yeah. Are you talking about mine? Of course. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, um, you know, they, we, <laughs> if they black weren't person just... stole money. If you heard about a black person doing embezzlement and then go into a Caribbean country and buying a yacht, that would be a film in which Russell Crowe would be coming to hunt this person down. It would be <laughs> yeah. a sequel to the born identity. Yeah. And, and yet again, this does not elicit any suspicion whatsoever or that Boris Johnson finds another blonde woman in America to work with. And all of a sudden, she's 200 grand up. America, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's insane what they've done. I mean, I just, I can't. And the reason that I think that it, it's still continuing and, and we've got here is because they've got a stranglehold on the information sources. This is yep. the biggest problem that we have. Like, as we were saying about earlier with the press, it's not just the press, though. It's not just the, the certain Tory rags, like the mail, like Paul Dacre, desperate for his peerage, throwing out pro-Johnson headlines. It's our BBC. And the only news source that I actually trust is Channel 4 News, really, because um, yeah. I've known about Sky covering up stories about the government, you know, uh, byline t byline um, times. They're good. They're good independent sources. 
Uh, but the thing is, they just do not get the coverage. They don't have the money pummeled into them like the big, you know, ones that you will see sitting there when you go into the supermarket or the garage. And those headlines, unfortunately, because people are busy and not everyone gets to be a political nerd, are what people pick up on. And they will form an opinion based on buzzwords or bits that they hear. That's why culture wars so successful, because they know that most people don't have the time to go knee deep into analysis and decipher you know what's true and what's not out of all the bullshit they're just throwing at us so it's it's a mess and i think without press reform we're going to continue to have this erosion of truth in this country and we desperately need press reform i i think that we already began this long march towards a world of dystopian uh disingenuousness because of uh personally i blame kellyanne conway she introduced a speech of alternate facts <laughs> and ever since then, she has ratified mainstream media outlets and digital uh, media outlets to uh, be able to lie without any uh, need for proof or facts. And running that coinciding alongside the uh, ideology of opinionism and populism, populism. Um, means that, you know, it has nothing to do with uh, truth and facts. Whoever shouts the loudest and whoever is able to use the most engaged nomenclature um, is able to uh, win and uh, unfortunately being truthful being silent and dignified in your truth is no longer an effective tool for these uh, tabloid based political discourse like the aforementioned publications I'm sure have responsible journalism research it but I'll be honest with you Tan there's no football no tits in those newspapers so who gives a fuck that's where we are well... do they cover love violence um, I don't think so. Um, and there you go. And that is enough to keep uh, enough of Britain distracted with culture wars. Or I think what it, this has also elicited is so much uh, collective dis disillusionment and so much collective fear that people, even when they are presented with the facts, will be so horrified about the state that they now use tabloid uh, outlets as escapism. So it's even when people mm. see stuff, it's like, I don't even want to know because... I don't know how we don't have people in the streets where they're building council houses that are made to burn. Yes. And Grenfell yes. happens. Yes. And to this day, no arrests, no accountability for a lot of the victims of Grenfell, no rehousing. And for that to take place, it doesn't make, for me, to be able to orchestrate a global pandemic and use that veil in order to basically embezzle more money, even more money after, you know, the tax tax base was raided during the economic crash and basically leave people destitute to the point where you have people taking their own lives because they aren't able to subsist on their disability benefits or are unable to heat their homes because people are more concerned with the fact that Just Stop Oil are interrupting snooker games. Yeah, and they're not realising that if the day comes or the day will come when they might need to protest as 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 they get more authoritarian, that uh, they won't be able to uh, without possibly facing a 10 stretch or an unlimited fine, whereas the people that pollute our waterways don't get unlimited fines and we've got dead rivers and sea full of shit. But what you said there about Grenfell was so important. And the reason that no charges have come is because rich upper class men have presided over that tragedy. Um, and what I refer to Grenfell as social murder. 
Um, a lot of medical experts referred to the government's pandemic response to social murder too. But if you look at Grenfell, it was um, a building that they saw as an eyesore in a rich borough, Kensington and Chelsea. And the yep. inhabitants of that block were largely people of colour and immigrants. And for years, they had talked about being unsafe. For years, they talked about their fears over fire safety. So, and, and response locally was to chuck a load of flammable cladding on it and just wait for it, wait for tragedy to happen. It's, same, it's time, basically the same as going around a building with a gasoline canister and just dousing. They might as well have, you know, And but if you look at how many people the government have killed, it's shocking. Like, I can't count the ways. You look at austerity, the cuts, their ideological austerity as a response to a, a crisis that the bankers caused. Iceland jailed their bankers. Um, you look at austerity. We, we gave them all our money, and then when they when they they made profits, and they didn't even have to give us our money back. And what they said was, "What we'll do instead is you look, you can no longer have pest control." And I bring this up because I watched a uh, a rerun of a, a Black Mirror episode yesterday. Uh, you, was it called PMQs? <laughs> no, no, it was. Which one was it again? I can't remember the name of it. It was basically about uh, basically robotic bees. Oh yes, yes. Target people one. based on uh, a hashtag. Twitter, yeah. Yeah, on Twitter. But what happened is, in the end, I think the, the guy, the uh, cyber terrorist, sets up a game where about three hundred eighty-seven thousand people are involved in calling death, and in the end, anyone who put the hashtag would become a target themselves. Mm. And I was like, oh, and in the they were like, this tragedy of a three hundred eighty-seven thousand lives being lost. Oh my god, two hundred thousand people were killed during COVID. Over a hundred thousand or more, like even more for austerity, through poverty. Right. So again, the numbers are okay. And see, Howard, when you think about it poetically, this has brought us right back down to our listeners' question: is that maybe the issue is that even today, because we do compartmentalize human tragedy, one of the things I heard during the Nazi regime is that if you kill one person, it's a tragedy. Whereas if you kill a thousand, it's a it's a statistic, mm. and that's what we've been able to reduce the enormous loss of human life in the UK to, a mere statistic. Mm. 200,000 people. Yeah. How, how how you're still walking free and not even not even being reprimanded to the point where you won't even give up your phone. This is this is the problem. The inquiry is not even a criminal investigation. I've been saying that this must, this should be a criminal investigation. And what you said there is really interesting because when it gets to a certain point, people can't comprehend the sum. People can't comprehend the amount of people that have died because the brain just can't visualize that that many people. And also, there's always been this kind of understanding that those are the people in charge. They're responsible. Um, they couldn't possibly do this well they do um and they are and they are actual criminals and they're not just behaving in a criminal manner but they're trying to take away every point of recourse that we have to hold them accountable for it and and they weren't even elected let's don't leave that part either we didn't actually vote for well, these people no exactly i mean i mean they've had to ferry in two prime ministers since that prick went because they're just scrambling. Honestly, it is just pandemonium. And I don't understand how anyone can't be engaged in politics. This is more exciting than, well, if it, I say exciting, but it's more interesting than any soap you could ever watch. It's well, just what, fucking mad. This is what makes it even worse is that people, for the last three months, 
maybe three to six months. You know, I've been here in town the whole time. Succession, this show is amazing. The corruption, the money, it. it's crazy. <laughs> Succession is so good. Like when you look at the archetypes, so it's happening in front of you. Yeah. It is happening in front of you. Yeah. People are like, it's so well, the way they capture the corruption and the, 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 the tragedy behind. This is what you're fucking watching it in real life. Yeah. You are seeing yes. people, sexual degenerates who are elites. You are seeing people who are lying about sexual assaults happening on mass. You are seeing people that are overseeing the deaths of innocent people and you lot still can't make the fucking connection oh, between, like... how, between the corruption of the press and the corruption of elites and the corruption of billionaires and oligarchs. Yeah. But you're all sitting there being like, what are they going to do next? <laughs> well, you're living it, mate. Yeah, you're, you're living it. You are, you are living it. And that, yeah, that is just, yeah, that's the thing with conspiracy theories. They, they kind of cling to this fear. Uh, that No, they've got this fear. So they're trying to control and trying to understand the narrative. They're like, oh, well, there's these shadowy figures that are like global, you know, the global elite. They're coming after us. They're in fucking parliament. They're the people. Like, and they're not even trying to hide the fact they're taking dodgy donations from millionaires and billionaires. Look at Murdoch, for fuck's sake. Like, you know, it's it's unbelievable. Like, they ha you don't have to invent anything. What's really happening is bad enough. By the way, uh, listeners, Rupert Murdoch uh, made Jerry Hall, his ex-wife, uh, happening in John whereby she was able to be a contributor to uh, succession. For me, the level of trying to satirise somebody where it's been said that one of the reasons for Boris Johnson's popularity is his uh, charm and ability to approach women. Do you know what? Where I, I, I understand I'm definitely from a different echelon of society because... Again, I don't understand what can be endearing about somebody who, first of all, their look is, I like to look like I uh, am worth all gummage with a lottery ticket. <laughs> I don't understand why that's appealing. And also, I don't understand, in the case of his uh, proclivity with women, how you can look at all of the other women who he has abandoned and all the other children he don't acknowledge and be like, this time it will be different with me. We are watching... A million, a multi-million dollar version of fucking Jeremy Kyle, and we all decided after one person who was had you know diminished capacities and a lack of access to resources was pushed to take their own lives on Jeremy Kyle. We all thought that vilification of that person was too much, and this show should come off the air. Mm -hmm. But again, it's happening in real fucking life. You put a post up recently about a woman whose daughter killed herself because of the isolation and loneliness caused by the pandemic meant she couldn't go on. And she yes. is one of many people who have killed themselves, not to mention people that have killed themselves as a result of austerity cuts, as a result of the current economic crisis, which is of the government crisis yeah. or the health, and health cuts. And this guy is doing zip lines. Yeah. And, and literally partying while this is happening. And mm -hmm. people are like... Jeremy Carr, that was the problem. Yeah, yeah, this is, and, and some people don't even see that as the problem. I mean, you mentioned people taking their own lives. That's what spurred me on in the early days. My person I was supposed to go, my friend Joe took his own life during the first part of lockdown. And we were due to go into business together. We we're going to have like photography business together. He was 31. Um, he couldn't handle the fact that it was pr so prolonged, the isolation. And well, we presume that's the case. And yeah, and I had to attend his funeral with a few other people in a fucking field and we couldn't even have a wake for him. And that's what 
made me find the fight to continue making the videos despite the fact that from day one I've had like horrific abuse you know mm. um was the fact that the anger you know yeah. and it's violent anger like the things that I think about <laughs> with these people I can't even talk about that's how angry I am because they should be jail's too good for them jail's too good for them the suffering... at the very least they should be in the fucking Hague and then when they see the gravity of what they've done, they can be like slobber down and fucking kill themselves if they got, but we know they haven't got the fucking balls for that. But if you heard, if I, if I described a political leader who had multiple illegitimate children, who had lost every job they'd ever had for various different forms of hatred, had been known for his uh, viral exploit to be the way he is on a zip line, who gets into a freezer to avoid questions, who refused to show his phone, the first thing most British people will say is that's why we've got to stop giving aid to Africa. Yes. That's the first thing they would say. You and are. yet now this is happening here at supposed the home of a more modern bipartisan politics and people don't give a folk. Now, we have sadly run out of time and have, Whoa, only, made, have, have only made it through Tan's question, <laughs> which was not completely unexpected. Tan, can you come back and we'll do it again? Because I, I think we've got a lot more to, to talk about, haven't we? Of course, yeah. You've been an excellent guest and it's been lovely to see you outside of the uh, the, the little confines of social media uh, and actually, you know, just hear you talk uh, over a longer time. Oh, God, I hope I didn't ramble too much, you know. Like, I'm on pretty strong painkiller meds. I've fucked my back up, so I'm a bit like... Oh, well. um, you yeah, wouldn't so know. Was... You wouldn't know. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm I'm good at masking. I've had about four coffees this morning, <laughs> but uh, but no, yeah, it's a really interesting chat. I'm just wondering whether or not we covered enough. Were you happy with what we covered? Very. Is it all right? Um, I know that I definitely you would have definitely picked the interest of our listeners, uh, and, and definitely myself. Um, for those who want to find out more, and those who have uh become very a lot more engaged following this conversation, Tan, where they where can they be find out about your good works, past, present, and future? Um. I'm Super Tansky Free Eyes. Super Tansky. I might have to say that again. Do you edit this? You edit yeah. this, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to edit that. But yeah. say, like... <laughs> we'll put, we'll put them up as well. For. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, Super Tansky um, Free Eyes on Twitter, on TikTok, on Instagram, and YouTube. Um, so, yeah, you can see me ranting on Twitter in the verbal manner. And video manner on all the others, um, and my memes on my stories on my Instagram too. I'm quite a, I'm a fan of a meme. Ooh. Love a meme. An offensive meme. Love an offensive meme. Thank you for coming on the show, Tan. We'll see you again, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So when did you say sorry? You said like. I don't um, know. The listeners won't want to know when. I'm, I'm going to have to cut that bad bit. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnapTeast and at the Howard Cohen. You can now support us on Patreon. Just search DBQE Podcast and unlock ad-free content and you can watch the full-length video of the podcast. 
Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at DBQE Podcast and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.